Good morning. I'm going to teach you a quick Kiswahili response. You're just going to say Mzuri. Mzuri. So M Z U R I. Mzuri. It means good or well. Okay? So I'm going to say Hapari Yasubuhi. Man, you guys got it. You got it. So now you know how to at least go through Kenya and say Mzuri, Mzuri. Uh, that might get you in trouble after a little bit, but that'll get you through the doors of uh, things. And so Susie is up here with me as well. And we feel honored to be here with you this morning. It is always a privilege uh, to be back here in Fredericksburg and be with you, you all, our family. Um, and we just thank you so much. And Susie's going to talk about our family a little bit and update you on um, changes that have just taken place as soon as of last week. Uh, so um, Susie, go ahead and share a little bit. All right. I think there's a slide that'll show. We've already shown the family. It should be. It's right there. Right there. It's the family. Some of you have known us for many years. Some of you maybe are meeting us for the first time, but we are Adam and Susie Hales, and we have four children. Our oldest, Phoebe, is the one that just got married last week on June the 5th. So we have welcomed Josh to our family as our son-in-law. So now we have Josh and Phoebe Valdez in the family. It's still new to us, but we're getting used to it. Phoebe graduated from Texas A&M in May with a biomedical sciences degree and is gonna be doing some vet tech work as they get into their new marriage living in Round Rock. Emma is with us today. Emma is a senior at the University of Mary Harden Baylor studying social work, so we're happy to be here. She had a special pinning ceremony that we got to be a part of at the end of the semester. Bailey, our third daughter, she's 16 now and she's trying hard to finish up her sophomore year of high school online. She spent some time at the boarding school, some of it was online, some in person, but she'll be transferring to an international school, Roslyn Academy, in Nairobi when we return later this year. And then River's with us. He was a little shy and timid to come up for the children's time, but River is seven. He started at the international school when we moved to Nairobi back in August, and he'll be starting second grade when we return. So we're thankful for our family, for our children, and thankful for your support that you give to us in the way that you love us so well. I'll let Adam take it from here with the message. Thank you, Susie, and, and thank you all for just your support and your prayers over the years. Thank you, Pastor George, for the honor to be up here in the pulpit and for really uh, our hearts are just thankful for, for the church here. And you guys have just been nothing but gracious and kind, and we feel your prayers and your support, and they're needed. And as Susie was saying, we've moved. For those of you that don't know, we spent the past 10 years up to last August living in Madagascar. We were church planners working with the Antandruri people, uh, and so that was an unreached people group that God has done some amazing things. They're still considered unreached, but God has made great progress in helping reach those 1.5 million people that previously had no touch or understanding of what the gospel of Jesus Christ was. And uh, as of like today, I was just having a, one of my pastor friends text me about Phoebe's marriage last week, uh, trying to figure out things. and. And today there were over 100 churches that gathered together. Um, so just think 10 years ago when we went on the mission field, there were zero churches really in this area, um, at least from our faith and, and what we believe. And now there's over 100 churches gathering together, worshiping and glorifying the name of Jesus Christ. And so so we, we share with you today, we share with you with, with humble hearts to say that we really don't know it all. And we're really not good at what we do, but as the song that the choir sang, Jesus saves, Jesus saves, that is the anthem that we cry out. 
And whenever you can proclaim the goodness of Jesus Christ and the life that's found in him, it is amazing how the Holy Spirit is at work and is changing hearts around the world. And as we transitioned to Nairobi, we had to remind ourselves that the, the, the charge doesn't really change for us. And so that's where we're at this morning. And, and one of the reasons why I'm excited to be able to share with you this sermon of being united in Christ and being found faithful. Now, let me just tell you, I'm not going to speak on African time. I'm going to keep to the schedule here. Uh, and so because African time is an hour, hour and a half. And you guys probably don't want that. And we would mess up the whole morning service. And so we're going to go quickly uh, through this. But we've already read 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Uh, but I also... Because Zayla said, people want to hear other languages. So I'm going to give it to you in three different languages. So I'm going to read it in Malagasy for you, so that if it didn't work in English, maybe you'll have it memorized by the time we're done, uh, as we learn some of these other languages. So here we go, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Corinthiana voluani, tukofae, faciandini faha voluani, siandini faha ruen. Alka hatauni uluna, hupanumpoi Christi, sipitanji nalizava miafina, izayana germanica isahai. Hari rahaizani, dia fantachareo, fanipitanjina, dia tukuni, hu uluna, matuki. Alright, so that was Malagasy for you. Hope that was clear. Um, so we'll, we'll do a little Kiswahili, and we're not as good. We're learning Kiswahili, so if anybody speaks Kiswahili here, then you can correct me after this is all said and done. I'm happy to do this. Uh, so it says, Basi, watu na watu shabi, sisi kuwati watu mishi, wa Kristo na mawakali wa siri za mungu. Tena litakiwalu ni mawakili wa nakane kuwa wa minifu. <laughs> Alright, so man, we're really floating along. And then, you may understand this a little more, because I grew up in Argentina as a missionary kid, so we'll do it in Spanish as well. And it says, por tanto... Que los hombres no consideren como servidores de Cristo y administradores de los misterios de Dios. Ahora bien, lo que se requiere de los administradores es que cada uno sea hallado fiel. So that may have been a little clearer for you. And let's go back to English so that we... It says, this is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. And that's kind of a uniting aspect that we find in this verse. That it is saying that we are to be found faithful. We want to walk through this. And we want you to understand. Now, I want to give you a quick background. Chapters 1 to 3 are, are, are dealing with some aspects. And you jump into chapter 4, and it's dealing with divisions. Chapter 3, there's divisions in the church. And then you get into 11 to 13, or 11 to 14, and it's talking about how the church should look. But you get into chapter 4, and there's like this little bit in 4, 5, 6, 7, where Paul just kind of deviates, but it's still the same idea. So when we come in here in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, he's dealing with division in the church. This isn't necessarily a great thing. He's actually defending himself. And so whenever Paul is talking, he said, as regarded of us as servants of Christ, he's talking about himself. He's, he's actually diminishing his role as an apostle, and he's allowing everybody to recognize who he is. And he says, so this is this. It is, we are just servants. And I find that very interesting. That's where Paul starts off with this. So let's define what is a servant. And as we think about this idea that we are to be servants, now there's a couple of ideas that you find in here. First of all, house workers. 
It's a subordinate to a Lord. So somebody has the power over them. And then one of my favorite ideas is here is if you think of like the Romans and, and you go through some of your movies where you see you have the slaves in the bottom of the boat and they're, they're rowing. They're called under rowers. And that is where Paul, as he's saying here, says, this is how one should regard us. So let's think about all of us, myself and you all. And then as we share the gospel in different parts of the world, that this is the definition of what we want to become. Servants of Christ. That we, we look at Jesus and we say, Jesus, you are the master. All I have, all that I've become, it's because of you. Jesus, I want to take care of those things. Or you may say, wherever you need to go, let me do that. Now, the good news is, is that if we are under rowers, that we have a savior that is kind and gentle. And he's not a forceful one. But we willingly say, Lord, I'm willing to do the dirtiest of jobs for your kingdom. And so that's where we start in that, where Paul's saying, this is how we're to be regarded as servants. So let's set that premise for how you and I are starting to think, this is how we want to look at ourselves. So please hear me. We do not consider ourselves better than anybody else. If anything, we live each day saying, God, if it wasn't for your grace and your mercy, we would never be where we're at. And then as we're sharing that we, we live in this, that we say, God, if you don't move, we're worthless. If it's not for you, then there is no power in our message. And so we come back to this place of saying, God, we just want to be faithful servants. And then Paul doesn't stop with that. He says, he's regarded us as servants of Christ. And then he says, as stewards of the mysteries of God. And a steward is something that maybe we like a little better, like to be entrusted with something. And so it, it basically means responsible for the items in the household. Many of you may think of, of Joseph and Potiphar, and, and you remember that he was very good and everything in Potiphar's house was growing. And then, of course, we know the rest of the story. Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him. He ends up in jail. But even in jail, he becomes one of those people that is a caretaker. You might think of Daniel and those ways as well. As he was a prisoner, people saw favor in how he lived and what he did. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And you have people that are stewards of the goods. Now, Paul is saying that we are stewards of the mysteries of God. That is the gospel message. And we have this privilege to go and proclaim to the world that Jesus saves. There is hope. There is life. There is something to live for because Christ will change you. What we like to say is we all know, first, we know that in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is going to behold, the new has come. And what we find is that God gives us a new identity so that then we have this privilege to keep working. So I'm going to read for you from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 7 to 16. It's a little long, but you'll see it up on the screen. And this is kind of the mysteries of what we have, and it kind of explains it. But it's also very difficult to understand uh, because Paul goes off. But this is what he says. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God which God decreed before the ages of our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, 
what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thought of God except the spirit of God. Now we receive not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. Let me just pause there. Think about that. Paul says we're stewards of this mystery of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have that in us, but we understand it only because of God working in us through his spirit. But I love that it says that we might understand. We have the ability to see what God is doing. We just need to open our eyes to these spiritual things. And this is where we come in to what's coming in verses 14. But 13 says, and we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. And then he says, the natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God, for they are folly to him and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is in himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And so for those of us in Christ Jesus, we are instructed by God. And let me tell you, that is one of the most freeing things to know. That whenever you go into a village, you walk into a place, or even you just walk across the street to someone who does not know who Christ Jesus is. And to know that it's not up to your eloquence. It's not up to your ability to memorize. It's not up to how good you can make a gospel presentation. It is all dependent on the spirit of God to open and enlighten hearts. And then that frees you to just say, God, I'm your servant and I'm a steward. May you be glorified in what I'm going to say and then that gives you the strength to push forward. Now, there's an interesting phrase in, in both of these, and, and that's the idea of we will be judged by God. Now, there's a unifying factor for all of us, and where you think judgment, and that is Jesus is coming again, all right? Now, I, I hope it's soon because the world is a mess. Like, we've traveled through COVID pandemic, and there is chaos everywhere. We moved in the middle of COVID from Madagascar to Kenya, and that I don't ever want to do that again. We slept on floors of airports. We've done things that we probably never wish to do. But you think about the mess. But we, the one thing that just unites all of us around the world and that our brothers and sisters in Madagascar, our brothers and sisters in Christ in Kenya, here in Argentina, other parts, one thing we all look forward to is Christ is coming, right? And so there is a judgment day for us. But what will happen is we will be judged by God. But he's also looking at us and how we're living now. That's part of being a steward, of being a servant, of saying, yes, Lord. Judge my thoughts and my intentions. The psalmist David expresses that. And so we have this idea that he knows the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And this is the part that scares me about God. Just honestly. You ever done the right thing for the wrong reasons? Anybody in here done that? You think you can hide it from other people, right? And then it says in scripture that God knows that. 
And so you can look good on the outward aspect of things, and you can feel good about yourself, but the scripture says God knows that. 1 Corinthians 4, 5 says, Therefore do not pronounce judgment for the time before the Lord comes, that's our unifying factor, who will bring it to light all things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Ouch, right? I'm to be a good steward, but God knows the intentions of that. I like the children's sermon. You ever done cleaned your room just to make your mom happy, but your heart was so far away from it? You know, or even just picked up stuff off the floor, husbands, and took it to the just the dirty laundry hamper so your wife would be happy, but your heart's like, I don't want to do this today, but you just do it. And God says he discloses those things. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. Jeremiah says it even better in the Old Testament. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Well, he says, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. So God knows this. Now, I want to tell you, I grew up a missionary kid, preacher kid, and I lived up to some of the good and the bad of that. And one thing I was really good at, I could lie. I was a great liar. I don't want to brag on that. It's not a good thing to brag on, but I could lie to people. I remember in third grade, I was in Argentina, and the teacher gave me money to go buy her a Coke. And so she sent me and a friend with a bottle of Coke, and we walked down the street, and I came up with this little ruse, and I started crying as this adult walked by. And I was like, ah, and they go, what's wrong? And I said, my teacher gave me money for Coke, and we lost it. And now we don't have money. And if we don't bring the Coke back, she's going to be so upset with us. And this nice person gave us money for the Coke. So my friend and I drank a Coke at the store and then took our teacher a Coke back to her. And I got by with it. And I was good at lying. And I could pull things off on people. And I don't know, but God knew my heart. And he really would punish me on some of these things. And I was hard-headed. I'm a Texan. And so it took me a while sometimes for God to get hold of me. But what we find this is that God knows when it's true, when it's a lie, when you're being a good steward, and when you're not. So we can't let the outward appearances distract us from the fact that God's going to look at us and say, are you being a good servant? steward. And then this is where we want to kind of finish it and as we think through the next few minutes is that we are to be found faithful. So faithful in what? Faithful means firm in adherence to promises or an observance of duty. The Bible talks of this in many different ways and we're just going to talk through a few. The first one is faithful in serving because that's where Paul is at. This is how I want you guys as servants. Christ is that great example. I'm not going to read all the Philippians chapter 2, but this is where it says that we are to have this mind, the mind of Christ, that though he being equal with God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but humbled himself, taking the form of a servant. And then we know that Christ ultimately, because of his love for you and I and the world and everybody that's ever been, died on the cross. But the good news is, is that he was buried in the tomb, but he rose again. And so here in a little bit, as we take communion, we remember that. And we remember that that should be our mindset as well, to become servants like that. Jesus tells the disciples, which probably should impact us, to serve one another. 
In Matthew 20, 25 and 28, he says, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. He says, It shall not be that way among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So we need to be faithful in serving. The next thing we find of how we should be regarded faithful is faithful and stewarding God's mysteries, proclaiming Christ. Just as the song said, it says that Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So that we can cry out, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Romans 1.16, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also the Greek. We boldly proclaim that Jesus saves. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 3 and 4 very clearly tells us that he says, I deliver to you as importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with scripture. And that's the message we preach. That is the gospel. That is the mystery that a God who was perfect would love us so much that he would send his son to die on that cross to take the penalty that we deserve so that we could be freed and have life everlasting. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is I who no longer, I, I no longer live, but it's Christ that lives in me. And that's a cry that we have. I have been crucified with him. I love the new song that's out about that. And we also want to share with you an idea of what this looks and how to proclaim. And that's a 55 and 5 challenge we have. And so we want to just want to share, there's a couple of things. There's a paper on our table of 55 people groups in sub-Saharan Africa that are considered unreached, unengaged people groups, meaning there is no real gospel presence among them. And we need people to pray for these. And, and our hope is that in the next five years, we will see these 55 unreached, unengaged people groups knowing and worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can choose one. Mine is the mango because I love to eat mangoes and it's easy to remember. There are harder names on the list, but that's the people group that I pray for. And anytime I see mango, I just pray for the mango people. And that's an easy way to do that. We want you guys to be involved in that. So grab one of those papers and pray and, and ask the Lord to, to work in these people groups. Not only are we doing it here in America, but our churches in Kenya and other parts of the world are taking on the challenge so that we're working together. We also need to be faithful and our conduct and our lifestyle. God has high standards. Really does. And I don't ever want to forget that. That my lifestyle, the way I live, impacts how others think of God. And he wants us to be holy, to be set apart. First Peter chapter 116 says it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. First Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. It says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroy God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. He also says that we are a chosen and royal priest. This is very important. As you plant churches and you see the believers come to Christ, the idea that God has something special for them means a lot. And he says you are a chosen race. 
a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you, mo you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and to his marvelous light. And so I want to ask you a quick question. Can a bad tree produce good fruit? Or could a good tree produce bad fruit? Can that happen? Could you have a bad, bad tree that's going to, or let me just put it this way. Can a banana tree produce apples? No? Could a peach tree produce bananas? And it's the same thing for us as we see here, that if we are in Christ, we're going to produce fruit that demonstrates Christ. There are people in sheep's clothing, wolves is how they're described here, that are in the fold. But he says in Matthew, you will know them, you will recognize them by their fruits. And so as we're being faithful in our conduct and lifestyle, let's let the fruits be there. Now, let me just give a brag on your church. You guys serve well. You really do. And there are stories about Fredericksburg and the Methodist Church and how you serve throughout Texas. There really is. So keep up the good work. Keep serving, but check your heart. Know why you serve. And then it says we need to be faithful to walking in wisdom and in truth. We need to be talking through things. But I want to jump to Ephesians 4, 1, and 3 because this is where we find how we walk. Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit, the bond of peace. And then we need to be faithful and teaching and living out God's word. I have the great commission. I can't be a missionary and not throw this passage. And Jesus just says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And then he, after telling them, he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. We need to be faithful in teaching the all of Scripture. That we don't deviate from the word of God, but that is the central truth of how we do things. And then we need to be faithful in properly handling the word of God. So if we're going to teach it all, we need to understand how to do that. And that's what 2 Timothy 2.15 says. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. And so we need to be training ourselves to do this well. So as we close out this time, this morning, I just want to give you some applications. First of all, will we just surrender our hearts to Christ once again? Would you just say, God, here I am. I've done this a thousand times, but here I am again. It could be that today's the day that you say, I've never properly understood the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want to give my heart to him and follow after him. I want to be able to understand what Holy Communion is about. So that I can remember how he saved me. And then as we walk out the doors, let's walk out in unity of faith in Christ Jesus. And let's truly be family. You guys already are. I love how you love each other around town. But let's keep it going. 
And then may we live our lives seeking to be found faithful. One of the things we do as missionaries, this is a call for our team that we lead, is we snap pictures of people where they're being faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we will catch people being faithful. And we have a snap group and we say, caught being faithful for Jesus. And then we'll just encourage one another. May you catch each other being found faithful in your service of Jesus Christ. Wouldn't that just be so great that you guys can't go 10 minutes walking or driving or seeing without seeing one of you being faithful in your service of Jesus. And then let's live out our faith in action and in power. Let's be bold witnesses of Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for who you are. And it's because of you, Lord, that we we can do anything. That we, apart from you, we can do nothing. That's what John 15 says. And so, Lord, we abide in you and we are dependent on you. In the name of Christ Jesus, I pray.